Welcome to the Coaching Family Soccer Coaching Podcast. A podcast for soccer coaches from grassroots to the pro game. Soccer coaches who love the game, love coaching and want to get better. Join our community on Twitter at Coaching Family. So welcome back to another Coaching Family Soccer Coaches podcast. Uh, joined as ever by my good friend and colleague, Glenn Hicks. Glenn, how are you doing? Very well, thanks, mate. Just dealing with the up and down weather here in the UK. Exactly. I'm well, dealing with the up, the up weather here in Thailand, which is just 35 or upwards from that every day. So, so obviously it's the smallest violin in the world. Coming I got blown anyway, away so, in a house um, storm yesterday, mate. Took yeah. my daughter up from school. The minute we walked out of the car, <sighs> thunder, lightning, hailstones. So... Yeah, it was good fun, though. <laughs> there you go. Keeps you, keeps you on your toes. Anyway, so let's. Uh, today's uh, today's topic is creativity. Um, good good idea came from you, Glenn. Uh, obviously, talking about creativity and coaching and football, how we deliver to try and um, try and encourage that. What's your What's your thoughts on that? Just uh, you know, a bit more of a global picture. Um, my first initial thoughts on it is. Uh, I think it's the highest form of intelligence. That would be my starting point. I really do. I think whether you're Elon Musk creating world and life-changing things or Albert Einstein or Wayne Rooney, Lionel Messi or whatever other footballers got the highest form of football intelligence, I really do believe it's right up there as the, the highest form of intelligence. Um, and I'd, I, don't want, I don't like to quote too many people, but Albert Einstein says creativity is just intelligence having fun. And when I think of creativity, so I think of fun and play. And I think it's got to be, you know, with that in mind, if I'm ever trying to get intelligence and in, uh, creativity into a session or develop the intelligence of the players, I, I have fun and playfulness in mind. So that's my, that would be my first thoughts, mate. And I try and then work from that and get it into me coaching somehow. Yeah, interesting. So I was thinking about this earlier, the last couple of days. I think really like, you know, especially when you work with younger players, I mean, for me, like every session is about creativity, unless you're supposed you're working on defending, you know, and then it's about spoiling creativity almost. But I mean, if you know, I think about my way I work, my philosophy, and you know, obviously built around the one v one, and you know, being master of the ball and being you know being creative and masterful of the ball and be able to dominate and be creative in those one v one situations. I think everything for me is built around that. And I suppose just about then how you know you deliver and foster that and um, you know and, and try and you know be creative in your own sort of process so I, I've always often like you know I'm critical sometimes particularly in the youngest age because the youngest players the eights and nines when you know people are doing defending as a unit and stuff like that mm. and because I just feel like especially with the youngest ones you know the youngest you know the first set should all be about the individuality being you know supporting them on the ball and being you know that, again using that creativity word you know being spontaneous and having the tools to to do that and and sort of, you know, be that those sorts, those game cha game changer players, if you like. Yeah, definitely. But I, I, um, I, I just, I do think though. So defending in terms of what we see the other night, so you know, the Man City game uh, uh, against Atletico Madrid is the perfect example of complete polar opposites. But I respect and admire both because if you're Diego Simeone and you can get a group of men 
to almost, if you can get someone like Jao Felix to down his creativity tools and his attacking tools, and he is one of the most exciting, creative young footballers in world football, and you get him to down tools to say, we're going to stop Man City today. You know, there's a lot of value in that, and there's a lot of things in Atletico's game that are also not getting coaching kids. But in terms of defending, yes, of course, it's about spoiling it and getting the ball back and stopping and playing, but... I think the game was always going to be settled the other night, so by a, a Jack Grealish or a Phil Foden. You know, the passing and the fantastic rotation and lots of central midfielders on the pitch wasn't quite working. And I think it was always going to rely on that moment from Phil Foden or someone that thinks a little bit differently, that, that, that everyone's looking at the same game, but they see a different pass or a different moment in the game. And, and that was Foden. It was magical to watch. But what I'd say with the defending, so just I want to stick on the defending. I think you can deliver defending sessions creatively and I think you can get children interested in defending more so for example I do like a multi-functional kind of like defending practice where the first one is you've got to intercept a pass then you've maybe got to block a ball from hitting a mini goal then you've got to get on the goal line and scramble to like clear it off the line and I think there is creativity involved in, in, in some parts of defending when you look at the very best defenders in the world as well so I'd say as a, as a general thing, creativity is for everybody. And I think it's not a limited resource. I think we have to remember that, that the more you're creative, the more you develop it. Yeah, I mean, listen, yeah, because look, you could, you could argue, for example, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, as, a, as a defender individual, you know, I'm being creative. I'm, you know, I'm, you know, signaling going one way and then, you know, going to, to cut it out or they like say I'm trying to get on his blind side. But I mean, reality this, you know, also as players, you know, defending is like a science, isn't it really? When you're breaking it down and coaching, this is how uh, we defend. Absolutely. This is how we defend 1v1, 2v2, 3v3, pressure, cover, balance. We all know how we can talk to do it on the, on the courses, you know, and that's why he's saying, you know, Athletic the other night, when you defend properly, you know, they were doing two banks or five almost, you know, it's very difficult to break down. That's the science, isn't it? You know, you keep mm. compact, you keep your, your spaces, your distances very short, you're all linked, you're connected. And then it's up to the attacking player, the creative, you know, the individual, like you say, the Graylishes or your Foden's. To come on and unlock, unlock that, unlock, unlock that spark of that creativity and that genius, isn't it? And that's what I was saying about, you know, the youngest age groups. We particularly say, you know, with all age groups, you know, what should we be spending more time on? Should we spend more time on, you know, spoiling or creativity or the individuality or or the team? Do you know what I mean? Because like yeah. we said before, it's a lot easier for me to coach or play, you know, a, a, you know, back four to be compact or back five or you know, two banks of four, whatever you want to do it. Hmm. A lot easier for me to coach that than rather for me to try and coach something. Right, go on then. Can you go and beat that? You know, yeah. beat the press and go and go and win that that one v two duel, that one v three duel, and unlock that team for us and hmm. create that bit of magic, right? Yeah, no, I agree, and I think, and I think it takes a lot more work as well. So people, I think there's misconceptions about what creativity looks like in footballers, especially young footballers. And if anyone's ever been privileged to work with some of the the best players in the country, like we have, Saul, I actually think it's a myth about. You know, this picture of creativity just sitting around strumming on a guitar and then you just create the best song ever or or a footballer just magically does stuff. I, I actually think they develop their craft more than anyone. And I think they're the hardest working players at what they do. So Phil Foden, that pass the other night, the, you know, the, the little dribble through, first of all, taking it in a phone box, like we say. So he's had the courage. He's had the awareness to get in the pocket in the first place. He's then got the audacity to go at players, even though he's surrounded. The little smuggle of a pass through the legs, even if it's debatable whether it's Fuki or what he's put through the legs. And then there was another one with the outside of the foot. To get to that point, though, Saul, I think he would have attempted this stuff time and time and time again. And maybe we've got to try and find a word to replace the word mistake. 
So a misplaced pass by Phil Foden, for me, is not a mistake. It's just not a mistake. So when a pass from Phil Foden doesn't connect, I think how we coach that moment determines what Phil Foden comes out at 21-22, if that makes sense. So they have to work as hard at stuff as anybody else has to work. And it's not just like, do you know what I mean? Last day fair coaching, let them get on with it, they'll figure it out. I think it's a craft that, that really needs to be worked out. Yeah, I suppose it's how you approach your sessions, isn't it? So, you know, for example, when when we first learned, you know, it was very much it was about coaching the mistake and percentages. So, you know, you see a mistake, okay. You know, for example, with that Phil Foden pass, you know, it doesn't come off. Oh, well, that's mm. a bit risky. So what could you have done? Oh, you could have set it back or you could have gone there. Do you know what I mean? That's that was the way it was coaching. That was very much how you were supposed to that's how you did pass the test. Whereas then it's about, yeah, exploring that, isn't it? And then I suppose then it's the environment you have, because like we say, you know, if you're an under nines and under tens coach, you're in an environment where you want to win, it's really deemed to win. And you see a young player do that sort of thing. And it doesn't come off. You say, well, why are you taking that risk there? You know, why are you giving the ball away when you, when you could play it simple? But then obviously then that comes back to the, the crux of the matter, doesn't it? You know, if you're playing simple, you know, then you're obviously stunting creativity, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? If you just pop, 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 get it. It's like the, the ball's like a hot potato and no one's taking on the responsibility to do it because they don't want to make a mistake or they see that or they don't want to be the one letting the team down, then I probably then that's your issue. Yeah, absolutely. And it goes back to stuff. It all links up to what we've been saying. So especially in the foundation phase, which we're really passionate about because we spent a lot of our time there with the six to 11 year olds is, is you're not, you're developing the courage to try this stuff. You, you, you know, if, if what Diego Simeone was doing the other night or his players were doing is all about execution and at the top, top level, it's all about execution. Before Phil Foden gets to executing that pass, there's 10 or 15 years, years of exploration and experimenting and trying things. And I think, I think that's where, and, and what you said there is always really important about the winning. And I think there's a few things that, that almost restrict, um, in general, this is, that restrict creativity. And it is, it is fear. It is that looking at the outcome rather than the intent. You know, you just keep flipping these things on their head and, and we come back to the same stuff. It's that being critical of a mistake rather than the five amazing things. So Phil Foden, the other night, saw, he has to get in a great position, fantastic movement and awareness. Head must have scanned about eight times. I think Rio Ferdinand picked up on it, right? So he scanned about eight times. He's floated into a beautiful position. The receiving was exceptional to take it forward how he did. The dribbling was outstanding. The timing of the pass. So we've got about five things on a checklist that he's already done supremely well. If he misplaces the pass, in general, what tends to happen with coaching is, again, we look at the end product. So instead of saying, you know, applaud the five things that he'd done and, and then maybe just say to the young lad, good try. I see what you tried there. Great intent. Let's have another try. Do you know what I mean? If it becomes stupidity, because there's a fine line between creativity and stupidity. So if a kid's trying to rainbow flick 20 times in a game of football, we have to intervene and we have to coach them. But again, I think I think there's so many other great things that the young player will do before a misplaced pass or before a, a missed chip over the goalkeeper. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I suppose that's the skill of the coach, isn't it? To say, well, actually, I saw that too, you know. Because sometimes mm -hmm. you coach, you don't see it, do you? So, what are you doing? What's all that? You know, why are you doing that? You know, why sometimes you miss it as well. Sometimes, they're, you know, a lot of time, players obviously have better solutions that you do. They just can't enact them, isn't it? Mm. So, I suppose having the, like, you know, awareness to the, you know, the modesty, say, okay, well done. Okay, tell me what you're what you thinking about there. Do you know what I mean? That was, you know, oh, yeah, okay, fair enough. The inside ball, maybe the technique. I mean, like you say, as well, if it was like, you know, 
you know, if it's you just like don't board players just shelling the ball, do you? And that's the thing, I suppose, you know, if it's like a long, you know, you're trying to get those pinpoint passes, it's interesting. I suppose then then talk about that and how do you do you deliver that? And then this is obviously comes back to to many of the old topics about, you know, um how do you coach, how do you develop creative players? What sort of, you know, what's your coaching methodology? What's your what sort of practice, what sort of what sort of practices are you delivering to get that out? So sometimes it's the same practice sort, but in but in different ways. So I'll give you a, a real basic starting point. We all know what 75s are, right? And we, you know it's the gospel. If you're just passing the ball, you mate, you see still see now Premier League players passing the ball to each other before a game. Why? Because 95% of the time they're going to be receiving and passing the ball on the inside of their foot. So we better be conditioning that. But if you take a basic practice like that sort, so me and you are five yards apart now, and we're doing our 75s, you know, 25 on the right, 25 on the left, inside that. So I've worked through all the techniques. Great. Get a little bit more creative with that. So say, I don't know, if if you wanted to put in your session, we're going to work on, and I, I've done this quite a lot myself, we're going to work on players' use of their toes. So little toe pokes, little scoops, putting your toes on the ball and receiving it. Now, we just play a different game saw. Me and you are passing the ball to each other five yards away. Okay, guys, first one to 20 passes using the sole of your foot near the toes, near the ball of your toes, <laughs> right? Now, now we're rolling the ball. We're getting a feel under our toes. <laughs> I said, okay, then you change it. Okay, next one is, I'm going to, after give them a number, after the sixth pass, I'm going to scoop it over your head saw. Right, and when I, so I've now got a challenge of actually getting a distance right where I can just lift my toes under it and scoop it over your head. Chat saw, your challenge is using your toes because the theme tonight is, guys, we're going to practice using our toes a little bit like the great South Americans do and the, and the Mavericks do and the Camp was a genius at and the Berbatov and these players, right? So now, so when it goes over your head, challenge for you is saw, can you watch that ball over your shoulder and kill it on your toes? And, right, and let them just play. Let them just do that. And you'll see they start jumping in the air like, like an Omri or a Lewandowski. You know that one you can picture it coming over your shoulder. They're jumping in the air off their toes. They're killing it off their toes like Ronaldinho. Then you might add a challenge. So, okay, if the ball's coming over your shoulder now, who can hook the ball back on their toes? You know them ones like, I think it was Robbie King's brilliant. At you. you know them ones where he just pulls it off his toes or when it's bouncing mm. in the air? You know, yeah. now all of a sudden it's the same practice. So we're still passing to each other. I'm still serving you a pass to go and retrieve, but but there's a different outcome. And now all of a sudden players are practicing using their toes. And again, don't, oh, excuse me, don't pounce on it every time there's a so-called mistake or you don't. Just, just kind of go with the flow, especially if it's stuff that they've never done before. They've never tried to hook it back over their head or through their legs and stuff. Do you, do you know what I mean? So that's just a basic practice there where if you just do it in a different way, you get some really creative outcomes. And if you get players starting to use their toes, we might get top end players. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the point is if you talk about, you know, supporting players into building the mechanics to be able to do that as well. Because often people mm. say, oh, yeah, you can't coach that, can you? Or what a goal you can't coach. Well, you can coach that. Anything in the game you can coach. You break it down and say, well, what's he done there? You do that. Anything in the game you can yeah. coach. Obviously, maybe it's unorthodox, but you can coach. I remember, I'm a big fan of like the Iniesta pass or the Barcelona pass, I call it, the outside of your foot pass. Mm. That's that one that breaks one or two lines. You know, you punch it. Very difficult for defenders to read. Very creative because of that way. It's loads of disguise on it. And I remember like, I used to do one, I remember when I was even like my last uh, uh, Chelsea working out to got a time that so like you know three zone game big middle zone shooting zone and you got a outside the foot it you got two mini goals facing uh, the wrong way rather in each zone yeah. in each zone Picture, yeah. you, to get the pose you've got to try and split you want to split the mini goal with the pass and the run so you've got to offside and you've got to run and anyway zip it there bang bang right so but loads of passes but I always start the session with like like you say like in twos or threes roll punch roll punch receive like practicing mechanics of 
punching the ball with the outside of your foot it's not easy you know if you haven't got that especially on the weak side you've got to do that and i remember i posted that on twitter and i went oh what is this isolated work rubbish this is so boring monotonous you know blah 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 but people don't see the bigger picture in it they assume like you know kids you know you say well i hope we're doing this is trying to open up you know some players have that in locker some most players don't have that in locker most players can't use the outside but they've done it before so you're also encouraging it you know and it takes you know you revisit obviously to try and yeah. develop that need and that's that's the whole point you know chris always talks about you know vygotsky and his you know zone of proximal development you know so the educational you know mm-hmm. uh, framework theory where you know as a coach you know when to go in you know your scaffold learning some players will have that some players don't if not you know right let's you know let's try and support them into being more creative and more inventive and say right what well, is a challenge can you do that pass with you so, but you know extra points if you can do it with the outside of your there foot you go. Do yeah, you just re- do it 20 yard points you yeah, I mean? so you're almost encouraging the outcome. So if they don't try it, then fine. But if if one lad is is trying it, then obviously if he's trying it every time. But then then this goes back to what we said the other week about the concept and the context. Then just help him with the context. So I really love that pass, but have a little look there. You know, you've tried to play it over him when look, there's a lovely little pass on the floor there through the gap. So then you get a concept in their head of when do we play over things? Well, we actually go over things when we can't go round or through it. So now if they've got a concept in their head, you know. The keeper stands up or, or the keeper falls down, uh, dinks it over him over his trailing leg or something. Yeah, great finish. Look, it was a great time to go over him because he's gone down. He'd give you a bit of space and you can clip it over him. He couldn't quite go through his legs. Or I don't know, you know, them, like the Bergkamp pass we said the other week, so that one where he just, he just lifts it over. You know, I think there's lots of things that happen like that in a game on a Sunday that don't get recognised as well. And I think it goes back to we have to develop our minds and what we're watching and seeing as coaches. And we've got to be just as brave. So you said something a minute ago about, um, about it doesn't work. And if we're encouraging that, attitude, I've done sessions before now like that with a toe saw. And I openly, it's like a disclaimer before the start of the session, right? I say to the players, guys, we're going to try something tonight. I'm doing a new session. I've never done it before. It could be absolute chaos because that's what creativity looks like sometimes, or it could be unbelievable. And sometimes it's one or the other, and sometimes it's someone in the middle. But I think if the players get the feel of that kind of acceptance from the coach that hey, I'm here to make mistakes as well, I'm here to explore my abilities, I think that rubs off on the on the players as well. So I think it's a really, really key thing in terms of when we are when we are designing our sessions, we've got to be brave, brave and creative enough to come away from the norm sometime as well. And also you made a great point earlier. We talked about being fun and, and lots of play. And obviously that's, you know, that's the balance, isn't it? It's sort of mm. like saying, right, you don't, like you said, the laissez-faire, go back and, you know, just throw the ball in, let them get on a bit, the game teacher sort of thing. Or it's whether, you know, designing sessions where there's enough freedom to express yourself and play and it's not too rigid. You're not saying you have to do this, you have to do that. You can, you can, you're developing constraints if you like to do that. But I mean, I suppose like my, you know, I always finish my sessions with a big proportion of just free play a game. I'm just free play. You know what I mean? I'm not stepping in too much. We're trying to literally just let them play. And I might just remind them about you know principles of possession in terms of height, width, and depth, just to make it you know just to make a better game for the younger players. But you want them to have that. You want that, you want to have step balance, isn't it? You know, you want the balance of having the fun, fun, and the freedom, the play, just letting go in it. But then also, then you know, as a coach, when I like we talked about that scaffold, and when do I go in, and when do I go and do it? And I don't want to be you know stop stand still when it's you know we're sitting around here for ages and. That one, do you know what I mean? Where the players are just static and bored. Yeah, but yeah, I totally agree. And sometimes creativity does need discipline as well, though, because if you're a wandering mind and you're quite a creative soul, you can sometimes get, get lost in your practice or lost in ideas. And having too many ideas is not productive. So I'll give you an example. So if, for the listeners that are listening, the free people, I would encourage them to, to, to go and read books of or, or get an idea of 
creativity as a skill that can be developed. I would say Horst Wein is a hockey and uh, a football coach and, and, and he's just got some terrific ideas. And, and, you know, his strap line was let the game be the teacher, but it wasn't let the game be the teacher in terms of just play the game and then it all works out. Because, you know, we would end up with players by default when really we can get a lot more players by design. And then you've got, um, for any listeners that, that, are, that are listen, you know, go online and, and Google Sir Ken Robinson if you're not aware of Sir Ken Robinson and about how schools kill creativity. There's a wonderful thing online. And the last person I would say as well, Saul, is, is a guy called Edward de Bono. And, he, and he's about thinking and thinking as a skill. And again, when you look at some of the best footballers like, like Wayne Rooney, you know, academically, probably not the most intelligent guy, but he probably could have been, but he just weren't interested in it. Football was his interest. But in terms of a, a thinking brain and unbelievable, brain. yeah, an, an unbelievable football brain and have that creativity, you know, even from, you know, the one where he was arguing with a ref and then he smashes a volley. And when you're talking about instinctive creativity or the overhead kick against Man City. Oh, when he when he, when he <laughs> did a Zidane on Zidane in the, Euro, Zidane, yeah. the first break three. That's like Zidane's it's just, wow, that's creativity in Notula and bravado at his highest Yeah, and what degree, was he, 18, you know, wasn't he? Was yeah, exactly. Young, he, just stood, he, said, he said, oh, no, I'm the best player at this tournament. Do you know what I mean? He just bossed everybody. Yeah, so if we work, so if we work back from that, and I'm not saying we can all create Wayne Rooney because, you know, you know, he's a generational player, but I think we can create more than what we do. And, and there's there's a lot of things that can be developed. And the reason I'd encourage people to, to, to watch or study them than people that are, are masters of thinking and creativity and stuff is because a lot of them are saying the same thing, Saul, in terms of fear is the enemy of creativity. Um, but, but I think there's things in there as well, Saul, about it's a skill. It's a skill that we all have and, and it can be developed. It can be crafted. And, and unless we're creating practice as coaches to allow it to come out, then I would say, how are we going to develop it? So with a finishing session, Saul, mix up your finishing session. Just go completely you know, whatever two or three best finishes you've seen, a little dink at the weekend over a goalie or, or or like a little clever back heel finish, go and do a scruffy finishing session where you throw random balls at the kids and and, and just tell them, throw some heels at it. Just, just create that environment in there or, mm. or lay some mannequins down in front of the goal, roll the ball forward and say, right, you've got to chase the ball and you've got one touch to lift it over the mannequins. That's enough, Saul. That is a very simple practice. But the technique, the technical demands or the skill demands are very challenging for a kid to get his toes under a ball. Do, 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 do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, so I had that horse, Wayne. I mean, he's known for his everything in a game, right? Everything's got to mm. be game related. Yeah. Yeah. And he, and, he, and he talks a lot about creativity. So, again, whether you want to go that way, right? I think there's different ways to do it. So I think this goes back to the argument about the practices and I think you can get creativity into a technical practice. Like you said, if you just do passing around the mannequins, you're working on two touch, open up, back foot, the usual stuff. If you do passing around the mannequins, they have change the pass. Like you said, I'm going to receive it on the inside. So instead of going around the square, if the listeners can pitch it, now instead of opening up, the defender's ready for that. So just shift it inside the mannequin, pop it with the outside of your foot. And then on the next mannequin, you might say, right, instead of playing first time there, You've got, to, you've got to flip an outside of the foot pass round the mannequin, like round the corner to the next one. So it's the same basic functional technical practice in terms of passing around the square, but you, you're dropping in there a different level of technique, uh, you know, a, a different level of difficulty. And then you can let them explore, find out different ways. They might pop it one way around the mannequin like a bird camp and, and spin the other way. But again, I don't think it's about just let the games be the teacher, just technical drills. I think you can do it in all of your practices. And I think 
if if you've got your own concepts and your own beliefs and values, I think just go with them strong. But creativity, if you want to develop creativity, it has to be allowed to come out in your session. We have to be designing sessions that allows it to come out. Yes, that like that balance we talk about a lot, isn't it? It's like when you know, think about what do we need if we're working particularly in an elite environment with the tools the players need to be successful at the highest level. So your ball striking, so you know, I like to, you know, if I'm doing ball striking, I like to do it, you know, it might be in the threes or even a four, might be working around mannequins, but you know, that short, sharp quality movements. We always talk about passing movement and rotation for me, that's a big one, that rotational movement. And then having that freedom within that to, you know, okay, yeah, okay, maybe I'll say, right, here's a little pain, pain mark, you go then, then, then they, right, you go where you want to go, you go wherever you like. We must have balance within your, within your three or four, maybe you've got height, width and depth, you know, different lines, those sorts of things. Mm. So you create that creativity through that. And then you say, yeah, you know, you can pop it here, you can put it outside of whatever, whatever pass you like, but you can go there as long as it gets there. Do you know what I mean? I remember a lot of people say, someone on social said, oh yeah, but you know, what about, you know, just what the, what the constraints um, coaches always throw you. They say, oh yeah, but you think there's like an ideal technique. I say, no, not ideal technique, just effective technique. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, you can do whatever you like, but if you can't cross the ball in a box and you're a wide player, you've got no hopes done. Do you know what I mean? So, if you can't, so it's got to be effective. So, that's when, okay, now I've got to jump in, I've got to coach a little bit more technique there because maybe they can't, you know, whip it in with some pace. Or it's, I'm really it's, pleased you, know you I mean? said that because I, I get the same. And like I say, on my level two, I must have, in year 2000, I must have done a little session of passing and receiving. So, when I said to the players, put your foot on the ball, and I, I even got told at the time by the educator, saying, oh, well, that's a bit risky, isn't it? I said, yeah, it's risky, but it's a great touch. Like, we've just done the basics on the inside and outside. And even from back then, it made me think from very, very early, like, no, Glenn, don't come away from that. Keep doing it. It's possible. And then when you see your player doing the game, like a David Villa against Manchester United, he's put his studs on the ball. He's rolled it out of his feet, then wrapped one in the top corner from in front. It's like, well, no, we're definitely going to keep doing that because that is the game changer with the players. The thing you said there's all about ideal. I've got a thing with that as well. You know, the ideal player, you know, has two good feet inside of the foot and you can have an incredible career. Like we said about Harry Kane, he doesn't chuck a step over in, in there. If you wanted a perfect technical player in terms of side foot, driven, so he's got a basic side foot, he can wrap it, whip it, he can drive it. Fantastic first touch. He's got all the fundamental essential tools. You know, I would say there's players that are ideal, but then there's players that say, I deal with everything else. And what I mean with I can deal with it, right? It's, it's got to be a mentality, I can deal with it. You throw a ball now at Zinedine Zidane, absolutely anywhere. Just throw it at him. He's going to put it on the floor. And if you you throw it over his head, he'll put it where you want it. You throw it to his left, he'll put it. But you throw it around his throat, there's videos online, aren't there, sort of him running, twisting his body, jumping, and then he's dealt with it. Like they can deal with more. So we've got to get away from this ideal and efficiency and you know, all of them words all that lead to being a perfect robotic footballer, that's great. We can produce that. There's loads of them, 99% of that. But the one Phil Foden that come on the other day and he was the game changer, there's something different. And I'm not saying Van Dyke is going to be Phil Foden, but I've seen Van Dyke do some creative defending. He started doing these new little blocks, like a K block, and he done one where his body was twisted up and then he's controlled it off his back. Now, Saul, is that going to be all the time? No. But is he going to be in a situation where he has to say, can I deal with it? Yes. And they come up with it and say, there you go, I dealt with it. But the players that have just got the ideal and the basics and the essentials, they can't cope with as much, if, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, of course. I mean, and that's, you know, that's been a problem for a long time, isn't it? There's too many steady eddies. You know, when I'm working with players, I say to players, what, you know, what's, what's going to make you stand out? What's going to get you the contract or get you 
you know, first team, God, you're going to get you in, you know, get you in the academy, whatever, is that what's going to make you stand out? And it's often in those 1v1 moments, whether you're defending or attacking, you know, being able to break lines with the ball at your feet or, you know, with the distribution or running off the ball. And obviously the end product, isn't it? Those, those sorts of things. And so we talked about before, you know, there's a lot of players going through who can get it and move it and shift it and that sort of thing. But how are we creating environments where we're challenging players? Say, right, you know, you know, can you take the risk? You want risk takers, right? That's 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 what we got. I want to come back quickly just to what you meant earlier about Mavericks. And I was, and I was thinking this about lot Every time I see Michael Elise for Palace, you know, just you know, what a phenomenal player he is. I remember him at Chelsea. He was like, you know, real Maverick, very difficult to manage. I hold my hands up, couldn't manage him. You didn't know whether you, you know, you, you, you put your hat, arm around him or, you know, you try and get into him a bit, just pie you right off. Like, can I kill, uh, completely kill your session. And that's actually one of the reasons actually you end up you know, leaving Chelsea, you know, and then you almost you, you look back and you, and you sort of learn about that, you know, and how, you know, and that's, that's, you know, with so many of these creative players, these Mavericks, they're very difficult to deal with. They don't conform. Do you know what I mean? They're they, rebellious they, they do, they, mate. They do maybe they do ruin your sessions. I mean, and so how do you how do you deal with those those big personalities when you know you see the ones actually they're the ones, you know, your Cantonars, your Gazers, all those all those yeah. big personalities who, you know, Maradonas, you know, these 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 you know creative geniuses almost you know misunderstood almost very difficult to pack them in and conform into like a like you say an ideal player. But you know if you're you're in a coaching environment, you got that one you know goodness me mm. doesn't half or she doesn't half kill my session but when it comes to Saturday or Sunday, they're ones unlocking the defence. How do you deal with all those those sorts of players? It's interesting. I don't have I don't have the answer, sort to be honest. But I do keep trying because, like you said, there they're the ones that you have your biggest regrets about. Where you think because for me, the reason, and just in my opinion, my humble opinion, the, the reason Lionel Messi was so incredible at Barcelona, I think it I think it was a lot to do with. Pep Guardiola and being the igniter or the allower, like literally, okay, Leo, wherever you're, you know, this whole rotation thing, wherever you're going to go, everybody else, just get out of his way and balance off for him. Let's just get the ball to Leo. Um, and, and he was the igniter for that player. And I'll give you another one. The biggest legacy at Arsenal for me is for Arsene Wenger, in my personal opinion, was Bergkamp, Dennis Bergkamp. So he was at Inter Milan and, you know, the whole Bergkamp and Henri thing is fascinating. And Wenger was the catalyst for that. And even if he might not have coached them so much, because Bergkamp speaks so highly of that period of time at Arsenal, the coach being the catalyst, he allowed Bergkamp to be the best form of Dennis Bergkamp. And what that done is inspired a whole football club, transformed a whole football club, transformed defenders with quite a rigid way of thinking, the Keowns, the Adams. And, you know, that moment where they scored a fourth goal against Arsenal and Martin Tyler says that sums it all up. It really did. And then the six years that followed that 98 season, you know, you talk about teams and being invincible. You have to look at individuals as well and think, who has got the best out of Messi so far to date? And it was Guardiola. And maybe Messi got the best out of Guardiola and vice versa. But Wenger was the same with the legendary Bergkamp years at Arsenal. For me, one of the most enjoyable footballers to watch if you just recorded that six years. And we've kind of got to find a way to do it. And it, and it does break your heart a bit, doesn't it? So when, you know, for example, you know Marcus Edwards at Spurs as well. So for me, the most incredibly talented footballer growing up. He's still doing brilliant things. I think he's just got to move to, to um, Lisbon or someone, hasn't he? Because he was Sporting, yeah, he's a sporting. A sporting, yeah, yeah. And, he's, and we know he's a wonderful talent. And I just hope one day the rest of the world really see that, like in the Champions League stage and at the Premier League. Do you know what I mean? So, But you always ask yourself questions, don't you? So so what is it we didn't quite get right there? Or was it us or was it them? Or... Well, it's a bit like Tarabat, isn't it? Tarabat, I remember, because I was first at Spurs, Tarabat was there. And I remember... 
Camoli talking about talking to us about how I signed him. I was tracking him, and apparently he watched his training at this French club. How much club he signed him from? But he said, you know, apparently he watched his training at French club, and he nutmegged some some uh, some like old pro, and he's like young, you know, guy. And in the pro, went, you do that again, I'm not gonna gonna spark him, I'm gonna punch you, right? And then so five minutes later, he did the same thing, and he boxed boxed him like punched him in the face, and then obviously then he then he got to sign him. But Terry was like another sort of misunderstood, the most one of the most skillful technical footballers you ever seen. Yeah. And he and it's just oh, so he's obviously now. He's 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 a uh, in Portugal as well. Now he was just talking recently about maybe that his his regrets are maybe he didn't take things more seriously and you know had the mentality and stuff to and he could have kicked on more. But it's just having that you know understanding those playmates. So you look at someone like you know Neymar for example at, at um, PSG. He's like such a technical talented footballer, but maybe doesn't do the work off the ball that's required at the highest level. You could say maybe Messi's not doing that anymore. Maybe he's a bit older, but. And then, so how how do you you know that's that you know you want that that spark, but then you're not getting the, you're not getting the off the ball stuff. I suppose like the same what they're saying about Ronaldo at Man United now, right? Maybe because yeah. you know he does he scores goals, but maybe he doesn't give you that other thing. How how do you deal with it? How important is having everything? And is that do you say well you know I take that from not having that? And is that at the highest level is that still possible to do that? I know what you mean a bit like like Messi was managed at Barcelona. Um, Again, I, I would say one thing they all do need to sort, and Alex Ferguson in his book says this as well, and, and I, you know, I don't know if Wayne Mooney's come out and said it, but for me, I think in general in England, I don't think we've handled talent well enough. It does take talent to develop talent, and like Guardiola is so-called the best, or people perceive him as a messy the best, it takes the best and most talented and creative to get the best out of the most talented and creative, or at least be able to see it, at least be able to, to understand what motivates them. Because Ferguson's got a quote of saying, if you don't understand people, how can you motivate them? And there's that great thing about Cantona, isn't there, the way he managed him, when he turns up at the Christmas party and he's in a leather jacket and Steve Bruce goes over to him and he goes, hey, hey Gaffer, you seen how Eric's turned up? You said we've got to wear a three-piece suit. And, and he said, well, listen, Brucey, if, if you could play like Eric, I'd let you come dressed like that. But again, <laughs> no, but again that's, that's genius, isn't it? And I think, but also, sort, I think he's brilliant at giving them discipline. So if you said to me, what does yeah. genius need? It needs a bit of discipline. Because if you let Gascoigne yeah. come to London and play for Tottenham, you've got carnage on your hands. He's going to be in every nightclub. And do you know what I mean? Yeah. Running out of every nightclub. But if... Wayne Mooney, the best thing he'd done is move to Manchester United because Ferguson gave him discipline. Ferguson gave him a straight line that said, you can express yourself how you want to, but if you do this, 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 this. So I would say discipline's right up there. You've got to, not a discipline to the point where you're coaching their talent out of them, but in terms of their behaviour, in terms of towing the line, in terms of this is the way we all work. These are the non-negotiables. These are the black and whites. You know, we're all going to try and get here on time. You can't just rock up 30 minutes late stinking a booze because you was in the pub all last night. Probably sounds like Gaza a few times at training. I don't know because I've never, but do you know what I mean? It, you know, instilling that discipline. Even Ronaldo, I think Carlos Queiroz and that time he had at Manchester United, I think, yes, he's still expressive and creative, but he instilled a level of discipline with the way he practiced. Maybe practice a bit more on your left foot, maybe not five step overs. Let's, let's realize that actually, Ronaldo, Ronnie, you're so quick, you just drop your shoulder and go, or one step over and go. Do you know what I mean? And so, that's, that's again about not letting them just be to the expressive to the point of self destruction, and it's it's a that's, really that's difficult what, one sort. To, it to, is, to and, and and you know, and bring it back in more into like the development phase. So again, I talk about Marcus Michael Lise because I remember him like vividly at Chelsea and that big personality, and no one no one seemed to be able to don't say tame it. Unless, maybe that's a problem. We don't want to tame it, but it's you know. Then how 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 do you you know in terms of when does it become? know when they're affecting the group or how do you support players it's like that's it's a very tricky 
so situation because I remember loads of players in academy football, you know, all the clubs I've worked at, and they're wow, he's a top talent. And then the clubs at some point have just gone, actually, no, you know, you pushed the boundaries too much. Yeah. We're just not accepting it anymore, you know. And, and you've got, I suppose, that's when you've got to say, you know, no players bigger than the club or no players worth, you know, uh, compromising the, the morals of the club. Did, you know, I'm talking Absolutely. about any player in particular, but I remember like several players who, you know, I remember one player, you know, who went, you know, who went, I, I bought into a club and, was all set for a scholarship at, at Tottenham and, you know, and then broke his curfew twice. And I talk about him being like new, like the air. And it's like, goodness me, how many mm. more chances you want? Like, but yeah. like, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's just, it's just difficult, isn't it? Because like you say, you want that creativity, but those, you know, so often those, you know, those, those, um, those geniuses are very difficult to, that's, that's where you say don't control. That's my, that's where I say control. Why do you want to control someone? But I know what you mean, but that's, that's our instinct, human nature. Yeah, yeah. that's your instinct, isn't it? I want, you know, I'm creating, I'm coaching a team here. I want you to do, I want you to play in a 10, man. You know, <laughs> or, you know, I want to be, but I suppose then, you know, give someone the free role or something like that. But again, maybe it is the way we deliver that discipline in terms of, like, because if we know they've got a nature to rebel in terms of like, we, we're talking like the most extreme level of creativity, the number of tens and that. And I know we can all develop creativity, but if you're talking about that big person, that one that no matter how much you coach the other players, they're never going to have what that Maverick's got. And that's why, you know, especially when you've worked at, uh, you know, elite and clubs and stuff like we have, they're the ones that, they're the gold medal ones. They're the ones that, can you create Lionel Messi? Can we can we create uh, the next Diego Maradona or the Bergkamp or whatever? What are we doing to help them flourish? Because we're not really creating, but it's about flourishing and it creating the right environment where they don't go off the rails, but they don't rebel because we've gone proper boring and work like soldiers but get the best from it. And I think it's such a conundrum for, I think everyone would be sitting here all right now that's worked in youth development a long time to say, how do you get the best from the very, very best? And it's it's such a difficult one. I'm still exploring it, even with the likes of Ronnie O'Sullivan, for example. So I find him fascinating as a sports person. One minute he's highly motivated, getting 147s with both hands, winning everything. And then he puts down his cue saying, he's probably retired about seven times, hasn't he? Made the retirement, come back. Do, do, do you know what I mean? And I think every level of sportsman like that, that genius level is... No, he's like that. He's he's epitomizes that outlier, doesn't he? That Maradona, that Gaza, that super, you know, that on the different plane to everybody, any any mere mortal, isn't he? Because mm, he's so yeah. good. He has that seems to have that more of a natural ability than anybody else has had. You know what I mean? Mm. But again, he testifies, he says about natural ability. So I think he's one of the most practiced. He tells stories about from five, six years old, his dad putting him yeah. on beer crates. And just yeah. why is he good with both hands? Well, because from seven or eight years old, he was practicing putting the cue in both hands. So 10, 12 years of that level of practice. And he's probably, you know, chipped a few a few tablecloths in his time. But, you know, he was he was doing it for a long time. So, yes, there's a level of yeah. genius or, you know, what I mean, he's got a certain personality about him. But the craft that, that, that's gone in to be able to get a one four seven or a century breaks on both hands is it's the same level of craft that's gone into getting a perfectly two-footed footballer like Cristiano Ronaldo. Do you know what I mean? Both geniuses. Um, yeah. But I'd I'd say what what separates Messi and Ronaldo from all the others? The Ronald, even Ronaldinho. Ronaldinho should have won the Ballon d'Or maybe five or six times. Why yeah. didn't he? Maybe it was the discipline. Maybe it was having that extra mindset of that professionalism. That yeah, maybe it is that. That mindset. So maybe that's what we've got to coach a bit more and encouraging them possibly. And think about it as well then. So come back to that one. I mean, so again, what we deliver him, you know, what is, you know, we look at, for example, most academies will have similar sorts of, you know, tactical cycles, you know. So maybe it's like, you know, you do like plan, plan out from the back, plan through the middle, going, plan through the final third, you know what I mean? And then maybe going, you know, defending that, but then do like maybe three out of possession weeks, that sort of in those topics. Is that, 
is that really conducive to creativity and individuality? Do you know what I mean? Or is that just, okay, we'll just, is that a fallback? Is that a fallback saying um, just, you know, what, this is what we do? Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Um, Chris Ramsey said something at one of our in-services once, once saw that really stuck with me about, um, he said, he even said that him and maybe others have been guilty with doing it. We, we, we've maybe rubber stamped uh, right back as a right back in an old school functional way. And, and, and through our coaching, maybe we've limited them. And that's why we ain't created a Danny Alves. Do you know what I mean? Or that mm. top level right back. And, and he said something about it's like stamping the, the cat or whatever. And he said, that's what we've got to try and fight. That's our instincts to do that. But I think the more you create a curriculum and, 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 and straight line framework, I think, the more you've got potential to stifle creativity. And I think that goes for coaches as well. I think there's nothing more frustrating as a coach, and I've experienced it myself a hell of a lot. And I'll be honest, especially in an academy environment, not, you know, not where I'm working now, because, you know, we're allowed to, we have a framework, but you're allowed to coach, you know, go and deliver within that framework. So if we're working on uh, creating overloads through 1v1 domination, of course we want to win the 1v1 to create a 2v1 or a 3v2. But how you do that really is up to the coach's creativity how you deliver that and what area of the pitch and what is up to your creativity. So I think it's important that coaches are allowed to express their self as well. I, I don't like the idea of coach education. You know, that old standing on the side of a clipboard, waiting for you to foul. Let's be honest, waiting for you to foul and, and, and probably do something differently because it don't quite fit in the mind of the coach educators watching you. So I, I just think we've, we've got to be the example that we want our players to be as much as possible in, in, in our coaching as well. Do you know what I mean? In, in terms of our session design, in terms of meeting the needs of all the players from the maverick to the, to the absolute soldier that's going to be a warrior and just as important in the team. Um, so, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of thought that goes into it sort when it comes to trying to get to get creativity in, into your into your sessions. Yeah, I think it's a good point there because we talk, we talk about, you know, we put the onus on the players here in this discussion, but they just mentioned that the coaches, you know, as, you know, as coaches, how, you know, creative are we with our sessions and how many opportunities do we get to be creative? Are you at a club where they say, right, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you know, we do this then. And I was, I've also kept, I couldn't, don't know, I, well, I don't know, well, I can say that now. I wouldn't work mm. at a club where they'd say, do this, do that, do that, do that. You know, maybe you know, maybe you've got a framework. You need the individual creativity as a coach to say, "Well, I want to deliver this," and you know, this is how I see that particular thing, right? Rather than got to do this at this particular time and that sort of thing. And I think that's very, you know, I'm not sure about that. But like, I say, you know, we want to show, you know, be an example to our players. You know, in an environment mm. where the coach has no creativity at all. So, how do you, as a coach, be creative with your sessions and with your delivery and that sort of thing? Well, I would say the thing I said about the players. So, you know, one of the best. It will always will be for the rest of my career. I've been coaching about 23 years. I think the first 10 years of my coaching will always be the most important and most enjoyable 10 years of coaching I have ever had, ever, because I had two or three fantastic mentors that done a, a few things. They allowed me to take responsibility. So from 17, 18 years old, I was coaching three and four-year-old toddler footballers. I then was going into schools with five and six-year-olds, then done like lunchtime sessions with seven, eight. And I probably worked right up all through primary schools in Newham. I also done secondary schools. And I never had anyone watching over my shoulder saying, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. I made lots of mistakes, still do to this day. If I'm not making mistakes, I'm questioning myself. I don't deliberately want to make mistakes, but... You know, if we're trying things and we're trying to develop and create new stuff and move to new limits and stuff, you're going to make mistakes. All but so I think that that whole freedom thing, that's got that's important. I think whatever club you're working at, especially if you're running a Sunday league club, for example, so I think you've got to you 
you've got to understand your coaches are different as well. And we're all going to do things differently. And, you know, you've got to have that maverick coach or, you know, just allow expression and development. And don't, don't go with this one hat fits all. This is the curriculum. This is how we do it. You can have a curriculum. If you say, right, our football club is just going to be, you must have tons of 1v1 stuff in there. That's brilliant. Even if you don't coach and you just do loads of 1v1 games, you're going to produce some fantastic players. And then, so again, I don't think it matters what you're coaching. I think it's how you're coaching and how many different types of coaching experiences. And that's going to help your players. Because I, I could genuinely say, so I can't talk about the elite. And listen, I've never worked in a Premier League first team. I've never worked in a Premier League uh, professional development phase. I have worked at a Premier League academy. I have worked with three and four-year-old footballers. Uh, you know, I've played, as you call them footballers, they're just young kids. And I used to play some fun games. I never said any coaching terminology. But what I can say about myself as a coach, personally, Saul, as as a competent player would is that whole ideal I'm not the ideal coach but I can deal with almost any session if you chuck me three and four year old girls boys you know I've worked at Mill Lionesses for years with the ladies I, I can deal with coaching a group of players I could put on a session for almost any group of players do you know what I mean and I think mm -hmm. as coaches we've all got to do that as well so a good thing would be maybe get, get coaches to work at different age groups as well if you're running a grassroots club have a, don't just do under 10s, do under 11s. If you want to be a specialist under 10s, great. Don't work with just boys, work with girls. Don't, do you know what I mean? don't just do elite ends, do grassroots, do a bit of both. Develop your skills as much as possible because the more tools you have, the more you're going to be able to give and, and develop your, your training sessions with the players as well. Interesting. I think mean, from one life, I'm thinking about one last thing, point from me would be just to think about the individual. Do you know what I mean? Like I could say is that, coach the individual, give the individual as much opportunity to be expressive and get on the ball and come back to that same old thing that you mentioned there, 1v1 domination play. If you've got players who can dominate 1v1 and be creative in that, that's going to make your team you know, much more successful. And then give those players much more a chance to be successful later on in their career, whether they want to play, you know, college or be a pro or just, you know, be a better player. So I suppose just understanding uh, what, what, when and what to work on and, like I say, giving those individuals the time on the ball they need to, 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 to do. I always come back to that Doug Lamoff, who's obviously one of the best, you know, educators of educators in the world. You know, check him out on Twitter and there's, you know, there's, there's many books on coaching and teaching. And he talked about, you know, the need, you know, you know, the need for working away from the game, the need for working individually with the ball and doing all drills, if you like, because when you build that technique, it then it gives players the ability to play with their head up, to look up, to look, to be aware and to make those higher level decisions because they can play with their head up because they have such control of the ball. So like we said, you know, now I can know how to you know, scoop it over to my toe or play with the outside of my foot around the corner that Iniesta pass, that mm. opens up a whole new library of, you know, weaponry for me to, um, choose a whole new library of different passes of different forward break line breaking passes because now I have those new techniques so uh, you know don't be don't be afraid to let players work away from the game on the ball because that's going to make it more creative in my in my opinion it's just obviously about having balance it's a great point mate and 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 like you said a, a few podcasts ago as well so it's a really key point as well is don't try and get everything out in one session like if you if you are nothing other than an igniter of young people, like but Wenger was for Bergkamp or or Pep was for Messi, if you just ignite practice in a different way. So there's a great video of Berbatov practicing with a ball against the wall, and it's the most basic practice you can ever do with a ball and wall. Everyone knows about ball and wall training, and again, it's not about what you're doing; it's about how you're doing it. 
I, you could watch Dennis Bergkamp kick a ball against the wall in Amsterdam in a little bit of wall where he said he wore the wall away. You could probably film that for an hour and create a DVD on it because there would be so much exploration. Do you know what I mean? He'd be whacking it, chipping it, spinning it, standing close to the wall, making it come over his head. So a fundamental thing is, I would say for all coaches in the message, it's not always about what you're doing. It's how you're doing it. And what are you trying to get out of the session? Like you said, is it an outside of the footpath? All right, well, then let's design a session that provokes that and, and, and promotes that. Is it working off your toes, working on scoops, dinks, lifting the ball, controlling out the air off your toes? Well, okay, well, let's put stuff into our basic session where we're using our toes tonight and, and you know, tell the boys that this is the focus. Um, you know, whatever it is, just make sure it always comes back to the purpose. What is your objective? If you don't want creativity, then, you know, don't don't explore your session. If you just want the fundamental basics, just keep doing that. And I, I think it always comes back to reflection sort, doesn't it, as well? And then at the end, don't be afraid to say it went wrong. Like, it goes wrong, especially when we're being brave as coaches to come out of our comfort zone and try new sessions with a, a different flavour on it or see something on the internet. Don't just copy and paste. What can you add to that session? How can you tweak it? How can you change it and, and benefit your group? Because you know your players best kind of thing. So, on, on that note, Glenn, thanks very much, mate. It's been top. Appreciate it. Brilliant, mate. Cheers, all. Thanks, Take care. Um, and remember, guys, if you've got any questions, don't forget to email me at stall at mypersonalfootballcoach.com. We can DM me on Twitter. Remember, at coaching family. Uh, on Twitter as well. You can have questions or any ideas about topics or guests for the show. Uh, don't be shy. We'd love to hear any feedback as well. And if you're enjoying the show, please do uh, leave a review, please. It really does mean uh, loads. But uh, hopefully we'll see you again next week. And thanks very much. Welcome to the Coaching Family Soccer Coaching Podcast. A podcast for soccer coaches from grassroots to the pro game. Soccer coaches who love the game, love coaching, and want to get better. Join our community on Twitter at Coaching Family. Mm -hmm.